We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score, the home for Bears fans. When you finish worst in the NFL, that means you got a lot of room for improvement. Let me just say this, because I'm, I'm, today I'm kind of throwing stuff out there because I'll be debating this stuff, I know, for the next six months, and the haters will all be coming out. Oh, man. Hey, 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 hey. Know this, that there is a window, and you can talk all you want about Justin Fields because he got he's a quarterback that runs, that he won't last. And What are you talking about last, though? And, and, I, and I know the grass is always greener. Yeah, let's take Bryce Young. God bless you. He's a great player. Look at the quarterbacks that were drafted the last couple years. You know, Zach Wilson. Do you want Zach Wilson? No. Because? Because no. Do you want Trey Lance? Yeah. I don't know. Do you want Mac Jones? Oh, no. Rather than Justin Fields? Good luck. Go ahead. But if you like him, you build around him, and you do everything to try to win a Super Bowl in the next four years. To me, that's the deal. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 till 10 a.m. Bringing in some playmakers. On 670 The Score. Be absolutely blown away. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, my goodness gracious. The the Bulls were awful last night. There's no way around it. You just, you know how you wind up with a losing record and a bad year? You lose that game. I feel as frustrated talking about the Bulls as Billy Donovan sounded post-game. That was a tough one to watch down to the last decision, the last miss. Good morning, Molly. Happy Thursday. Is it, David? Is Uh, it really? Is it a happy Thursday at long last? We're going to smile through the angst because, boy, the Bulls were were difficult. They're a difficult team to figure out. They really are. And I guess maybe that's who they are. But they looked so good a week ago winning the games they won. I know. They go into Washington in an opportunity with Beal out, Przingis out. Oh, my God. Gafford out. Yeah. Even though they're without De- DeMar DeRozan, DeMar they should DeRozan have won that out. game. They yeah. should have won that game. And Zach Levine, the question we had during the pick six, whether it was earlier this week or the end of last week, what do you think about Zach Levine taking the last shot in clutch situations? Is it time for him to take more of them? Yeah, I uh, no. no would be the answer. <laughs> no. 
What are you doing? Well, well they got to follow the game, so I thought I'd no. What are you doing? He shot a two. They need a three. <laughs> Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, it wasn't that hard to figure out. So the explanation that we heard post game, they needed a three. There was less than six seconds to go, and wizard wizards had to follow the game, which is key. So you want to drive, get slapped on the arm, and then you you hit the continuation. I'm almost. I gotta be honest with you. I feel like happy he missed. Had he knocked down that jumper, I, I gotta tell you, without getting fouled, and then he lose by a point. We think it would have been worse. Oh my god, that would have been worse. <laughs> it's bad that enough. That would have been worse. Molly, it's bad enough. It's though. bad enough. But it was yeah. just that we couldn't get <laughs> the play called, and we didn't get ah, we got yeah. But if he actually hits that shot, oh, my God. Well, when you watch it again, you see Nikola Vucevic, arms extended, open. You see Alex Caruso Right behind open. him. And he's got his uh, arms uh, up. Like, he, he does that shrug when the ball is shot. Like, what the hell are you doing? And as Brandon Fryer pointed out before the show, kind of talking, this was kind of a microcosm of what this season has become at times Saw it in Minnesota, players at halftime, frustration spilling over. And Zach Levine has been the target of a lot of this, at least in the, way know why. the way it's been reported. And yeah, <laughs> last night was a reminder. Yeah, kind of helped was... explain a lot about what's wrong maybe with this Bulls team. And I just think that you give him credit because he just hit a tough three to tie He hit it. a very tough My three. goodness. But feel free, you know, Kuzma, he can shoot now. Let's not just give him an open look. That was unbelievable. And then and then you're like, okay, well, that's okay, because we got the ball. What is he doing? Did he just take What is he points? doing? Did he know that we needed a three? Oh, boy. It, it was almost universal uh, kind of confusion, surprise, frustration. What if, what if that shot went down <laughs> and they lost by a point? I mean, I'm just saying. Then, then it might have been. Bizarre. Then they might have claimed, well, he was fouled, and okay, he, they missed the but, foul. You know, they still claim that, and it, it, it and then and then Zach said, "Well, the the official said he missed it." What the official probably said is he didn't see it. Zach interpreted that to be missed it. What <laughs> is that on Billy at all? Jeez, <laughs> what? No, I, I mean, I does Billy like need Billy. to say to the refs? Coming out of that timeout, hey, they got a foul to give. Make sure you're watching for the foul. They all knew that. I think everybody in the arena, everybody watching at home, listening on the radio knew the Wizards had a foul to give. I'm saying, is it Billy's? I'm asking a question. Is it Billy's job to reinforce with the refs? We all know it, but is it his job so that basically hot breath gets a whistle? I, I think that you can do that if you want to point the finger at Billy Donovan. I'm not. I'm, I'm, not, I'm asking. If, no, if, I, the, my so answer would be no. No. So no. he didn't need to do that. That shouldn't be part of the coaching. No, he did what he needed to do is tell the players, "Hey, you know, yeah. they have a foul to give." I think that they know that. But well, Zach Levine, well, let, let's listen from Zach Levine and hear what he had to say and what he was thinking with this decision down the stretch. Uh, we try to get a, you know, get a three off, and then when I went in to go pull up, I think it was. Uh, Whoever came off of Alex. Doing right. Doing right. He fouled me, so, you know, my instinct was just to go up and try to get a three-point play. And I was going for a pull when he fouled me. I just, I shot it. They didn't call it. 
That's how it is. Yeah, I, I that's not what happened. <laughs> I mean, he got the ball and attacked the basket. It didn't look like I, he was looking at the three. I got to tell you, I love your, I, I your idea, though. It would have been worse had he made it. <laughs> I, I swear to God. I swear to God okay. it would have been worse. So Wouldn't it have been worse? It, Seriously. It might, it might have you been worse. You lose by a point, and, and then everyone in the league would be like, uh. Yeah. Right. Okay, that was Zach Levine, and this was Billy Donovan's version of what he watched. Obviously, we were down by three. It was, it was a play to get a three, but they also had a foul to give, so I don't know if he thought maybe he could kind of bring the ball through, maybe try to draw something. Um, like I said, they had a foul to give. They were up three. There's a, maybe a decent likelihood that they would try to foul, but I, I didn't talk to Zach after it, so I don't know what it was, but we were certainly trying to go for a three, but we also wanted them to know that they, they had a foul to give, too. You know what always stands out to me about stuff like this, situations like these? <laughs> besides, the, besides the judgment, it always, I'm always surprised, and maybe this is just being naive. Billy Donovan goes to the podium probably 15 minutes yes. after the game. This is a big moment in a game they needed to win, and the frustration was felt by everybody, fan base, players, coaches, whatever. He hadn't talked to Zach yet about that. Isn't that the first thing you do when you get in the locker room? Like, man, what's going on? What'd you do? What were you I, thinking? I think, I think you confront him on the court. <laughs> right. I mean, like, what the hell was that? So, like, I don't know. But, I, I, I mean, literally, guys were around him, like, throwing their hands up. I, like, what are you doing? What game are you playing? I, I really like Billy Donovan. You know that. So, I don't want to pick on him. But I, I was surprised that he had yet to get an explanation from the player who made that decision. I think you – I think you – the guy made a, you know, had an absolute howler, and you just kind of wander away. I, right. I don't, I don't think. Give him the space. It's very difficult to defend <laughs> that decision. Here's the other thing: uh-huh. if he knows that Alex Caruso's guy came over to foul him, and he, you know, the guy reached in. I mean, I don't know. I didn't see a, I didn't see like a major foul or anything. But why not flip the ball to Caruso then? If if his if you are a cop down enough to know, th- there were there were three point seven seconds left when he went up. If if you feel like you're getting fouled, why not flip the ball back and let Caruso take an open three? I think that's a good question because he was open. I just think that sometimes he was hell bent in taking that shot. He was hell bent. And he was defended, so he started to drive, and then he got too far. Away. He was hell bent in taking taking that two. Yes, he was because. I don't understand that because thank God I, it didn't go in. When there's less than five <laughs> seconds, that's so funny. I think that sometimes it's overstated how long that actually you have in the NBA. But people do and teams do amazing things with limited time. But I just felt like like everyone else watching, not enough time to get a two, hope for a foul, or maybe get the ball back. Whatever the case may be, when you have people positioned behind the three point line. You just yourself hit a huge three to tie the game. Take the three. Don't settle for a two. I, I mean, don't try to get fouled. Don't leave it don't up to the rest. Rely on the official to bail you out. I, it, listen, the whole thing was a train wreck, and um, I, I, I think <laughs> Billy said. <laughs> Dustin says Correctly. that Donovan's not allowed to say anything to Zach. That's why he didn't talk to Zach. <laughs> <laughs> what? What do you mean by that? Every time he, there's still supposedly friction from what happened in Orlando. Like there's still, and so I'm just saying. I mean, it it appears it appears that you're not allowed to directly have a conversation. So 
I, I would be I wouldn't be surprised if I were covering that beat. If I were if I were at the bowl shoot around on Friday, and I'm, I'm a pot stir by nature. Yes, you are. I, I, hey, never hey, noticed. Zach, hey Zach, did you no hear? No one uses the word pot. Did you by hear the way. what Billy said after the game about you and and you know not running the play that was called? Well, don't you think they're going to ask that? Don't you think that's a gimme? There's enough pot stirs on that beat to get an answer. We're going to talk to one at 645. Right, we'll find out. But I, mean, I just feel like you're not – I just feel like it, that Billy Donovan's not allowed to address. As Mully pointed out, you would ask him on the court. And then, yeah. you know, shame on Billy for – I got to look at the tape. But it's not just Billy Donovan. I got to look at the tape. I, I hate that you know, I got to look at the well, tape. It's a fair answer. You know what? Look, Mully, they put the if replay – my eyes didn't I saw the re, I saw the replay – I saw the replay ten times on. You were watching on television. He can was I finish? There. No. Can I finish the point? Definitely not. <laughs> he could go back. He could. He could go right to the scores table and see the replay. He could go back in the locker room. He could look on his phone. He, it's not like he immediately. What What did he do from the time the game ended to the time he sat down on that Zoom? How many minutes went by? I think he went. How many minutes went by? 10 to 15, he, okay, I would He could have seen the replay one time on his Dustin, phone. He went toward the locker room, just slammed I, his head in a door. I, I just think I just times. think that general communication between a coach and a player should be as open enough to where that if you have a moment like that, where the judgment was that much in question, that the coach would have an answer from the player listen, before he speaks publicly about it. There's no good, Absolutely. Listen, there's no good answer. It was a shocking blunder on the part of the player, and the coach is trying not to say that. So he's, well, he probably thought, I'll have to look at it, but right. I believe that's all that he's is. He's covering him. He's yeah. trying to cover for his player, he, which is expected he, in all sports. He also is more bothered, perhaps, by the fact that they didn't show up in the third quarter. Well, that, 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 the truth of the matter is they were outscored 41-21, in the third quarter, and that's why they lost the game. Yes. The, the the machinations at the end of the game should not have come into play. They were leading at halftime comfortably, game under control, and they just they showed nothing in the third quarter. There wasn't there wasn't an ounce of defense. What, what was the play at the end of the game where they just threw the ball uh, at the end of the quarter where they threw the ball the length of the court for a layup? I've never seen – as bad a defensive performance as the Bulls had in the third quarter. And I well, shouldn't say that because that's, that's, that's a, all season. There's a lot of examples yes, this season, right. too many, and that's why they are where they are. They also take some very questionable shots when they're in that mode. They don't protect the basketball. They don't defend. And I think that Billy Donovan, that's why you rarely see him be as animated as he was postgame. And yeah. yet he was pretty animated postgame about that specifically. Maybe it was compounded by the frustrating decision at yes. the end. But when your team gets outscored the way and outplayed and outhustled. Wouldn't you be agitated? Oh, I, yeah. I mean, I'd be sick holy, of watching that team. Oh, my God. We're just fans watching we, it. We're yeah. sick of watching that. And it's also because you're a coach who's, who's hands-on. You're invested. You, you have this sort of intensity that you expect your players to – you know, be an extension of you because all good coaches have that. And this team this year, for whatever reason, seems to be tuning them out. The third times. quarter, what happened in that third quarter, you know, is, is, is not a standard of play that is going to put you in positions to win. 
I mean, that is a very harsh comment. Uh, first of all, it's very true. And that's where they lost the game. It's accurate. And it's also as damning a comment as you're ever going to hear from any coach. You know, th- we didn't meet a standard that would allow you to win a game. That's, a, that's what he's saying. Well, the Wizards scored 19 points off turnovers, 15 points off second chances. That is a team in the Bulls that, that, that implies lack of focus, lack of effort, lack of a lot of things that Billy Donovan is used to seeing and not getting yeah. this year. They lack. They lack a lot. They also lacked rebounding. Mm-hmm. It's ridiculous. It was bad. It was a really bad third quarter. And even if they pulled that out, it would have been – I mean, let's say they knocked down a three and they force overtime. It, ick. Well, then they could Yuck. have salvaged something out of it. But well, you got to win that game. Point is well taken. And I think that especially when you have a stretch coming up, that is a very uh, winnable stretch. Right. You have a break in the schedule. The next seven opponents, only the Pacers have a winning record. I think the collective – Combined winning percentages right around between 40, 400 and 450, whatever the case may be, below 500. Take advantage. You've got to, at some point in time, be the team that is better and, and not the team that we have seen so far to this point. They're better than the record. They just are. It is really something, man. That, that was, you know, that was honestly farcical because – the performance in the second half, in the third quarter in particular, simply not good enough to win. And then whatever whatever execution that was at the end of the game, it was comical. It was it was a farce. It was absolutely. Kuzma hit a big shot. That was a big shot. That was a huge shot. Yeah, but you him. know what? Feel free. Let me ask some. When they came out, who did you think was going to take that shot? Everybody in the arena knew who was going to take so that shot. So why not Why not defend it? And why not double-team it? Why not force someone else to take that shot? They, they're just not a real sound defensive team. They can't get a stop when they need to, and they needed one badly there. They just can't rise to the occasion. It, it was really, really ugly. And um, the good news is that we have the Cubs convention coming up. Yeah. That's the good news. Because the hopefully the uh, the the hot stove will warm your heart. Because I was reading yesterday, I read a thing. Was it CBS Sports? It was some mock draft. They had the Bears trading down from the number one selection, and they had um, they had uh, I think it was Indy comes up, so the Bears are now fourth. So the Alabama quarterback goes, then the Alabama pass rusher, then Jalen Carter. And they had the Bears at number four taking the Northwestern left tackle. And I, I just kinda I just kinda laughed to myself, like, really? Like they better get a King's ransom if they make a move like that. Yeah, I think that if they do that, they would get several first rounders in return, wouldn't they? And well, they get they I, according to the trade proposal, they would get a uh Indies first, the fourth pick, mm-hmm. uh their second and their third this year. And another first next year, and a second next year or something. And I thought, you know, I want them to have one of those premier defensive players, but I want them to trade down too. So I don't know how I don't know how to work that. Well, one it's out, conceivable. David. It all depends on the value that players or that the the teams look at the the quarterbacks, and how how fixated they will become to get one of them. And 
there's a suggestion that uh, you know before the workouts begin that Will Levis will be a guy that emerges as the top overall quarterback. We'll wait and see. Right. It's right. all speculative right now. It's all just these mock drafts. Is like how many are there going to be between now oh, and April? Hundreds of them. So and, and you're right. The the names will shift, and who will. knows? Maybe the defensive players end up uh, in the bottom of. Uh, I, of the top ten, perhaps as to the top. I, I, I doubt it. Rarely, I mean, it's more likely, as we have seen in recent drafts, that the quarterback order shifts more than maybe oh, guys yeah. like who are the Jalen Carters or Will Andersons of previous drafts. They un, they are usually ranked and stay where they are before this this sort of the workout season begins. But but I just want to a priori fact that that Houston needs a quarterback, right? Can we agree on that? Oh yeah. We're not we're not pretending like. Uh, like they didn't bench their quarterback, like they've got a guy that is good enough. I, we're not going to. There's no doubt, and they're not going to pretend that either. Neither right? will the Colts. Okay, the Colts and the and the Texans, whoever they will be, their head coach. Well, then we're okay. They're going to need a quarterback and be fixated on okay. getting somebody at that spot. No, I feel better. I wonder how the Texans' hire of a head coach is going to affect their fixation on a quarterback. Yes, because. You know that certain guys that they could hire, they're gonna they're gonna be looking for somebody who is an offensive minded genius. They're gonna be wanting they're to. They're talking to Sean Payton. They right? would like Sean Payton, so but but everybody's talking to Sean Payton. Yeah, he's probably gonna get a job. You wonder if, if he wants one. You wonder if Sean Payton, who's the consolation prize in in Houston, if they don't get Sean Payton, and if they do, what does he think about then Bryce Young compared to C.J. Stroud compared to Will Levis? He may have an entirely different perspective on who the number one overall pick should be, and if he's fixated on one guy, you've got you've got an opportunity. If you're the Bears, that might even be stronger if you get a guy like that making the calls in Houston. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting. I mean, and you're absolutely right. I mean, we got five months of this, right? We're gonna just sit back, strap it down, and wait for the various uh, draft ideas well, to play out. It, it's just a, it's a fluid situation because, yeah. likewise, what if uh, what if the Broncos, and, and maybe they're not going to move on from Russell Wilson, but say they hire Jim Harbaugh and he's fixated on somebody in the draft. Or, I mean, you know, you can, you can substitute in a head coach hired at a spot. What happens with the Dallas Cowboys if and they're not going to get a quarterback? But what, if, what happens if you get somebody hired that is – infatuated with C.J. Stroud. Hmm. You use that to your advantage if you're Ryan Poles. You use all these things to your advantage. It's just fluid. It's going to change yeah. constantly, which yeah. is which is fun. The speculation is fun. It is fun. But it was like, really, the first one you're throwing out there, it's not pleasing me. Couldn't you just throw me a ball? It seems high for that left tackle, Peter Skronsky. Yeah. yeah. He's going to be a, a, a probably a top 10 pick, but it seems a little high to take him well, at four. Well, I think it's – you know, Bears need help on the offensive line, and he's a local kid. I, I think don't someone's reach. just doing a little. I uh, totally don't agree. reach. Don't reach. Don't, don't trade down and reach. Don't trade down and reach. Yes. Trade down, accumulate, Thank and then you. take the top guy on your board, and then we'll we'll all be happy about that. Yeah, knock down. Like, this is a key three pointer. Make sure you take it. You take it, and you don't don't uh, settle for the two and hope for the for foul. The t- you don't have that much time. Don't put it in the Are we mixing hands. our sports? Absolutely. Yes, of course. That's what we do. Yeah. All right. We're going to mix them all up when we get to the pick six. We're going to do that next. It's Mully and Hodge, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 of the score.
We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. What in the world was Zach Levine thinking when he settled for a two-point jumper instead of taking a tray on the final Possession. How do you explain their awful third quarter defense in the third quarter of their 197 loss to the Washington Wizards? Um, it was an awful game. It was a really bad game, the kind of game that you have to win. Uh, I get it. No DeMar DeRozan, but they were undermanned. They were missing a lot, right? Didn't Bradley Beal hit a jumper to beat them the last time they played them? I think they're one and two against uh, Washington. Um you just got to do better on the road against that team. And you had the game in control, and then you blew it in the third quarter, and it was frustrating to watch. But that last possession, that was that was nonsensical. It was farcical. It was um, it was just it, you know, just listen to the announcers. Everybody is kind of like uh, what? I, again, I think the only way it would have been worse if the shot went down and they didn't get the foul and they lose by a point and uh that would have been laughed the bulls out of the building right that would have been a national story so lucky for zach he missed that shot anyway but you know there's there's uh there's trouble in paradise this is a team that would have won that game last year and now they can beat a good team but they can't beat the teams you're supposed to beat and that's why you're four games under 500 I have to question Zach Levine's basketball IQ at this moment. Did he also realize they had the foul to give? Did he also realize that the Wizards had shot 21 free throws in the game while the Bulls had only shot nine field goals in the game? Free throws in the game. I mean, come on. He was crying about it all night long. Why did he think he was all of a sudden going to get it with under six seconds to play? It just does, none of it makes sense. Well, the third quarter was where the game was really lost, and that's what bothered Billy Donovan. And it goes without saying that the Bulls lacked intensity that third quarter. And they they consistently have these spells that there's this lackadaisical approach that's very confounding. Must be very frustrating to coach this team. 19 points off of turnovers, they don't protect the ball. 15 points off second chances, they don't hustle either. This is a tough team to coach. And Zach Levine's decision in in the, the last possession underscores how low this basketball IQ is for this team. 
I don't know what happened to the Bulls between last season and this season, but they look like they sure got dumb in a hurry. And this is not the same team that's, or at least the same traits of this of the team that we saw last year for so uh, many, such a long stretch. And they weren't as frustrating and, and they were doing the little things. Maybe it was the, the, the contract Zach signed. I don't know what it was, but you had the ball. You were down three. He had just come off hitting a tough three. I don't know why he didn't try another one because that would have been the smart thing to do and going for the two and hoping for the foul and trying to the continuation, it just made you want to be pound your head against the wall again. Well, no, that's a good question. What did you make of the Bulls minus DeMar DeRozan? He missed the first game of the season last night with a right quad strain. You expect him to play Friday night at home against the OKC Thunder. Is it a good sign that he took some shots in flip-flops and sweats after the morning shoot-around? Don't know what that means in terms of taking shots. He obviously didn't want to test it. I understand that and probably think that's the smartest thing to do. You should be in a position to be able to play without DeMar DeRozan and win these games against these teams that are below 500. For whatever reason, the Bulls have a record below 500 against teams below 500. That makes no sense at all. The fact that they play the top teams in the conference so well and then they don't show up mentally against the teams who don't have winning records. That is a problem that is going to uh, probably will spend the entire second half of the season asking and wondering why. DeMar DeRozan, if he has to sit out on Friday night, then let him sit out. He's 33 years old. We talked about this yesterday. Don't rush him back. You're going to need him. You're going to need him to take the shots that Zach Levine missed last night. DeMar DeRozan greater than Zach Levine. And while we're at it, why don't why don't we have Zach sit too Friday night? Let, let's just start tanking for, tanking for that tall French kid, right? Let, like let's just start it out, tanking for the tall French kid. Hashtag, right? I mean, it, it, this is last night just really deflating. That was absolutely a must-win statement game, and they failed at both. Well, the Bear, excuse me, the Bulls play in uh, Paris next week. They will take on the. Uh, the Detroit Pistons in a game, wait for it, that is sold out. So if you wanted to go over there and get a ticket, you got to go secondary market. That's a lot of money <laughs> to fly money. over there, get a hotel, and then maybe you could go to the Louvre <laughs> while you're over there. Um, look, I I, um, I don't think that uh, – I, I think DeMar DeRozan is a seriously good player – and he is the designated shot taker, and I think he understands. I think they win the game with DeMar DeRozan, simple as that, because I think he scores another 20 points plus, and, um, you know, he hits his mid-range jumper, and I, I, you know, I don't know that their defense improves at all, but I think he had some points, and that's all they needed. So, yeah, they missed DeMar DeRozan, no question about that. Victor Wembanyama is the kid that... Dustin was referencing. Bring him, pack him in the luggage. Tall French kid. Pack him in the luggage on the way home. Tall I think that's bag. the biggest question for the Bears. That's the voice of the Hall of Famer, Dan Pompey. He'll be here at eight with Mully and Hawes. Score pregame co-host of Mully's, Pat Manley, friend of the show and the longest tenured Bear, broached the possibility last week of the Bears drafting a quarterback with the first overall pick to compete with Justin Fields. You have an opportunity with the number one pick, if they get that, to get somebody who could potentially be a franchise quarterback as well. Would you draft him? 
bring him in, let him compete with Justin Fields. You find out who that one guy is, and then, because they are in the middle of a rebuild, we think they're two or three years away, then you trade the one away that's not the one you believe in or has developed into that guy who you feel can be your franchise quarterback. What is your first reaction to that idea? Well, I, Patrick said that on the pregame show, that was before the Bears uh, had the number one overall pick, and I thought it was really interesting. Um, it's unconventional. I think the problem with that is that the minute you take a guy, he becomes less valuable. I, I think the draft pick, the right to go up and take the player, comes with some kind of payout to it, right? You're, the player is going to be worth more before you know what he is than when you finally get him in your building and he's competing against someone else and loses. I, I know that doesn't make a ton of sense, but that's just the nature of uh, of kind of draft night and the big surprise, and I made the move as opposed to, yeah, I got this guy from the Bears. You know, we think he's pretty good, but he hasn't really been able to beat out their starter. It's a new car thing. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a good way of putting it, David. But, uh, you know, I, I got tons of respect for Patrick. I, I think if you were bringing in – um, you know, Sean Payton, and you could go Justin Fields as Taysom Hill, and then you go, you know, you, I mean, I'm just saying, if you're playing both of them somehow, and you're using different things, and that, then I would be willing to, to kind of listen to an argument. But I think you're better off given the amount that they need. I hear what Patrick is saying. You know, that is, that is sort of protection in case the quarterback doesn't develop. And that's an interesting concept, frankly. But I, I'm talking about fields in the passing game. In case that doesn't go anywhere, it, it's got to be something that you uh, are fearful of. But I think it, it probably the pick will never be worth more than when you trade it before the draft. And, and that's kind of what I anticipate them doing. And, I, and frankly, I think they have to trade down because we've talked about it yesterday. You know, just the lack of draft capital they have. They've got one pick in the top 50, so use it. Well, this would be the absolute doomsday scenario. And just a little look behind the curtain. This got brought up off the air very late in our show yesterday. And then we remembered. I didn't hear it. And you guys remembered that Pat Manning. David heard it. Also <laughs> David said, was, I mean, he remembered You were sitting it. next to him and David heard it. <laughs> I was driving in and uh, listening attentively and almost swerved off the road. But this is, if you think about it, though, if you're the Colts or if you're the Texans and you're okay with one of the two best quarterbacks in this draft, you could say, you know what, Bears? Forget it. Go ahead. We double-dog dare you to take a quarterback here. You don't need a quarterback. We all don't think you need a quarterback. We're not paying what you ask. So they're sitting there. They're on the clock, and the clock's running out. Maybe that is the best move. But, David, your analogy of the car, right? As soon as you drive that new car off the lot, it, what, depreciates 30%, they say? That's the that's the math behind it. And, Molly, I think you're 100% right when you say, you know, part of the value of the number one pick is that you, the general manager, you, the organization, you, the team president, if you're involved Splash. in football, you get to it, – it's on you. You yeah. made that. And, but also, Dan Weeder said Cannonball! yesterday – and this is why this does. This also had this got me thinking. You know, Weeder said, "Does Ryan Poles want the opportunity to take his shot?" You know, Justin Fields wasn't his guy, right. and now he 
Ryan Poles has the number one pick. So is this his turn, his it. shot, his opportunity? Get over it. I, I don't disagree that's, with you, but dramatic. I thought it was interesting that, that Dan brought that Dan Weeder yesterday brought that up. He did, and I understand it makes why you he think. did. And He's that's the point of what we're doing. Yeah, it's absolutely. to inform and entertain and make you think. Well, smart... Patrick made me think quite a bit when he said that. Well, I, Patrick's I... a smart guy. Dan's yeah. a smart guy. Patrick was in the league for a long time. He understands the value of competition, and I think that's the spirit of the question. And maybe the top he, – he wants somebody here – if you have an opportunity, maybe to bring the best out of Justin Fields, or maybe Justin Fields brings the best out of the quarterback. Right. But it's a luxury the Bears can't afford. Not with all the other holes on the roster. Not with where they are as a franchise. If you are the New Orleans Saints under Sean Payton and you're a playoff team and you're competitive in the NFC, yeah, maybe you do have that luxury. The Bears aren't that team. This isn't that time. And Ryan Poles may want his guy. I don't think he's in a position to go out and, and, and draft his guy. And, Dustin, you're right. If they double-dog dare the Bears to take a quarterback, somebody's going to make the trade the Texans and the Colts will not be willing to make. Somebody is going to move up to take the quarterback or to have the number one overall pick if you don't strike a deal with two teams who are fixated and desperate for a quarterback. That's the mindset I would have. I would have the mindset of doing anything but drafting a quarterback to compete with the guy that we have invested so much hope and resources in trying to get to the point where we can win because of him. This isn't the best move going forward for the Bears in my mind, although I love Patrick for giving us something to think about. That's, yeah, there's a lot of questions there. As discussed yesterday, the Bears currently have just one player in the top 50 of the NFL draft. Does the pick being number one overall mean the Bears have to trade down and get more selections high in this year's draft or would you settle on high picks the next year or two how many top 50 picks will the bears wind up with i y o in your opinion it's a great question it's the essential question and to me it's the biggest reason if you wanted to celebrate what the bears were able to accomplish if that's the right word in getting to the number one spot isn't because they wanted to get to the number one spot to take the player that they're fixated on that's not what the beauty of this is. The beauty of this is, is you'd have this, this one, it's, it's a loaf of bread and you're a multiplying. <laughs> it is going to become three picks. I don't know what the number is because we don't know what the offers are. And we don't know how desperate the teams moving up are willing, what they're willing to give up. But I'll tell you what, you look at the history of number one picks since 1997 and what it has brought back in return for teams that have traded out of that spot, the Bears are going to get more than one pick in the top 50. They're going to have several choices, and you're going to build your roster and, and increase your talent this year, next year, maybe in the year after that. But that is why this is such a big deal. Not because of the one player that now you're in a position to get whoever you want. It's because of the several players you're going to be able to supplement your roster with. If you don't have three in the top 50, it will be as big of a failure as the Bulls game was last night. Wow. That that is that's really interesting, Dustin, because three is a lot, right? Right, but I'm in I, I'm into the, the glass half full scenario and Boomer actually must have listened to the show yesterday before he came out with Parkinson Spiegel because he said what I said. You trade with the Texans and then you sit there and then you trade with the Colts. And in that scenario, you might have four in the top fifty. So did you listen to Molly and I on Tuesday? Because I think we said the same thing. <laughs> You should have said that yesterday. 
We said it on Tuesday. We had already said it. Instant answer, counselor. Again, no, I didn't hear it because, again, unfortunately, and I mean this sincerely, I don't get to listen to the show as much as I would like because I'm answering calls, I'm talking to the guests, I'm podcasting the show, I'm live tweeting, I'm doing the chapters. You know, I mean, I don't get to listen. So, no, I don't hear everything you guys say, unfortunately. You should go Truth back. Be told. And, go back and listen on the way home, just so we're all on the same. I page. double dog dare you to bring that up tomorrow. Um, you know, this is a really interesting question. First of all, I think um, I think the Bulls need the Bulls. The Bears need to get as many uh, high draft picks as they can, whether it's this year or next year or the year after. I would I would advocate getting uh, number one picks. As uh, as often and, and early as you can. I mean, who knows? Maybe if you if you trade down and you trade down again, whatever the scenario might be, you could get picks this year, next year, the year after. I don't know, but I would take as many as I could. I would build this team not over not out of one draft, but out of like three drafts. And and you know we we talk about Miami and the way they went about uh, using the picks that they got. To, to basically build their football team through different markets. So once you have those draft picks, that allows you to make moves uh, in the future as well. These are really valuable things to have. So I wouldn't get caught up in, in having as many top 50 picks this year as humanly possible. I would get as many top 50 picks as I could over the next few years. And who knows? Maybe you get a number one pick that, uh, you know, maybe look at what the Rams did, right? Did anybody see that coming where the Super Bowl team ends up with the sixth pick or whatever right. it is? So the- I think there's nothing wrong with collecting picks and trying to have bites at the apple in a year or two. And the other element to that is the Bears may have to package a couple of their other picks later in the round yes. with their number one overall pick to get a bigger haul in return, which could lead to a future first-round pick either next year and the following year. Because if you look at the history of trades with that number one overall selection, the team at the top tends to pair other picks in their draft yes. to go higher in future drafts. So I, I would I would try to get the greatest booty I could get for that pick. I wouldn't limit it to the top 50 this year. Yeah, I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. That's Brad Biggs. He's here at seven. Biggs time. Given that the Detroit Lions have gone all in on Jared Goff as their quarterback after a winning season, which quarterback in the division impacted their team more this year, Goff or Justin Fields? And which quarterback in the division will impact things the most in 2023? Yeah, I got to say it's Goff this year because they ended up winning a bunch of games. I mean, unfortunately, as impactful as Justin Fields was, and listen, he was a reason to watch a horrible season. But they did lose 10 straight games. They did lose 14 games, the most in team history. It is hard to congratulate anybody on the horrible outcome. You know, the the um, the Detroit Lions, because Goff got his act together in the second half of the season, were actually in contention for a playoff spot uh, at the end of the year. And, and really... If I'm a if I'm a Lions fan, I would have loved watching them eliminate Green Bay even after the fact. So I think there are some good things that you can hang your hat on. You know, a plus five hundred season for Detroit. Um, I I think that it, there's no other way 
to look at it than uh, than Goff had a bigger impact because his team won. Um, I, I, as far as who will have the bigger impact in 2023, I'm not trying to bail out of the question. I got to see what the what the uh, what the Bears look like. I got to see how many starters they can get in free agency. I mean, honestly, are they going to get three or four? Are they going to get six? I need to know that, and I got to see how many guys they get out of the draft. If you know a top fifty picks, fine. I mean, how how what were what was Brisker last year? He was the second of their of their two second round picks. You can get guys that can start. I don't know that you can get them at premium positions. So I got to see what their team looks like. But I would say at this point, it looks like golf. Well, I would say this. I would say that Justin Fields actually had a bigger impact on the division this year because I think he's got teams noticing the Bears on offense, whether they're perfect on offense far from it but they're at least better than they have been in the past you have to respect what he can do with the ball in his hands and I think the which quarterback in the division will impact things most in 2023 I think it's a fairly easy answer and unfortunately I hate even saying his name but I go north of the cheddar curtain (laughs) it's Aaron Rodgers wow I mean if Aaron Rodgers isn't with the Packers next year that's going to be a huge thing in the division if Aaron Rodgers version of Aaron Rodgers from last year is still with the Packers next year. That's going to be a huge impact on the division. It's a good answer. I think that uh, in terms of big picture, what he does will affect the balance of power in the NFC North more than any other quarterback's decision and maybe performance. So I, I kind of will side with Dustin there. I think I agree with him. On I that, thought I was choosing one. between those two guys. No, I, I didn't yeah. understand the question. I apologize. That's okay. It's no. definitely Rodgers in, in that one way or another. So as for the Goff versus Fields question, I think that's an interesting one too. Fields did have the breakout year, but Goff had the comeback year. If they gave out an NFL comeback player of the year, he'd have to be a strong candidate. This is a guy that emerged from oblivion and was the reason, one of the biggest reasons why they – were competitive and on the verge of a playoff berth. He was everything that you would want the number one overall pick to be. He fulfilled some potential, and he's a factor moving forward. He's the reason why they are dangerous because they can build around him without having to replace him. So that, with due respect to what Justin Fields did in emerging for the Bears, Jared Goff's emergence in Detroit was every bit as important and probably had a bigger impact just because they won more games. Excellent question. Ooh, an excellent question. Did you like what you heard from Lucas Giolito telling the Sun-Times last weekend that he will report to spring training about 25 pounds lighter than last year and hope to get back to the old me in 2023? The only White Sox starter whose contract runs out at the end of this season. How important is Lucas Giolito to the White Sox in his present and in his future? I like this story by Daryl Van Scowen. I thought that it was interesting that Lucas Giolito uh, had done what he had done and planned to lose this much weight. I didn't realize that he had gotten up to 280 pounds, according to the story. 6'6", 280. That's a big man. And I guess maybe that should go without saying, but that's a lot of of things can go wrong when you have that much muscle mass to manage and you're doing it for the first time at this stage of his career. So I guess that... After the season he had, you could have predicted he would have changed something. And going back to his regular regimen is encouraging. And you hope for a bounce-back year in a contract year. That's the big thing, too. He is out of contract. You wonder what his status is. 
you it makes him more tradable or does it make him more worthy of an extension depending on your perspective if you're Rick Hahn and depending on how the White Sox play and how they perform if they get out of the gate slowly I wonder how many trade rumors will accompany Lucas Giolito if they start out strong then I think he's a guy that you could envision you know keeping but good for him recognizing what didn't go wrong last season and trying to change it and doing everything from studying tape to taking a very scientific approach to improvement well if Lucas Giolito really wants to drop 25 uh, unwanted unneeded pounds let me recommend SOTA which stands for state of the art okay I, I, and, and that does help and it, you can help drop 25 30 pounds by using it but so really so he was too heavy and out of shape that's why he struggled last year yeah you know then whoever gave him that advice shame on that person I I don't like the excuse making okay okay fine drop the 25 pounds let's see what it looks like it's a huge year for him huge you know what's his future in baseball what's his future on the south side do the Sox really want him to rebound that's another question yeah, they do. Um, I would say that this is a good thing. I think that whenever someone changes their body shape, whenever someone tries to address issues they're having, they can go o- over the top, um, not with state of the art. You can never lose enough weight, and, uh, and that's a wonderful thing to be able to do that. But I think when you talk about a, a, a starting pitcher like Lucas Giolito, uh, he got kind of um, he got leg heavy a little bit, didn't he? That was what he wanted to do, and I think he was better off when he wasn't leg heavy. So I hope that that him getting lighter and feeling better will pay off more in performance. And I do believe the White Sox want him to win. No doubt about it. Three one two six forty four sixty seven sixty seven. I'm sorry. Dave. Is he still? Do you consider him? Uh, capable of being the ace again if he does these kind of things to put himself in a position to where he is back to his old self. His old self was a pitcher consistent enough to be called or considered the ace of that staff. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, he's fallen off from that. There's no question about it for whatever reason. And I think that um, you would hope that his pitching coach – uh, one of the guys they brought in just because of their relationship would uh, get the most out of him. Would get the most out of him. Real quick, Dustin, why wouldn't the White Sox? I had, begs the question. I, I, why I, wouldn't the White yeah. Sox want him to succeed? I don't want to start. I'm sorry, it, but you opened the door. I just yeah. was curious where, where you're going with that. Because they can trade him to get something more in return? I, I just don't. They're I, secretly Cub fans. I just don't think they want to spend that kind of money on a starting pitcher. So the, the long term commitment that. That he if, could put. If he has a big year. That he could then fa- make them face. Right. That's interesting. That that's. And, but again, when I say that, it's automatically Cubs socks. It's not Cubs socks. It's just it's simple. When when well, the when the franchise makes the highest paid player in the history of the franchise a package of seventy five million. Okay, that's not going to get it done for Lucas Giolito if he has a good year this year. Seventy five million. That's a good point. Done. That's it's worth remembering. I, I'm glad you answered that because I didn't think of it that way, but it does make sense. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. We got the uh, extra point next. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. 
How do you rate the five starting quarterbacks making their playoff debuts? Justin Herbert, Trevor Lawrence, Brock Purdy, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones. Would the order change if another quarterback is pushed into service? Mm, well, good question. I love ranking these quarterbacks because the five starting quarterbacks making their debuts, a lot of uncertainty because you find out a lot about a guy and how he rises to the occasion in the clutch. All right, I'll start this. Justin Herbert, to me, is at the top of the list only because of pure talent. Doesn't have the experience, but I would take him every day, all day. After that, it gets a little trickier because you just don't know. I want Trevor Lawrence, but how is he going to respond to the bigger stage? I'll say Trevor Lawrence is too, based on arm talent, based on overall ability. And then it gets even trickier. The three left, Purdy, Smith, Daniel Jones. I think Brock Purdy, based on his six-game sample size, could take the 49ers to the Super Bowl. I'm looking forward to Mr. Irrelevant becoming the most relevant player in the National Football League. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I would love to see it happen. That said, he hasn't accomplished yet what the other guys have. So I would go Herbert, Lawrence, Geno Smith, Daniel Jones, Danny Dimes, and then Purdy, only because of an experience, not because of lack of respect. Well, David, yeah. I think Brock's been pretty good for the 49ers so far. <laughs> and based on the, the way this was posed, the order, I think, if anything, I think maybe Daniel Jones shouldn't be the fifth. I mean, if you were, you know, again, everybody can take the question and manipulate it, right? If you, you know, if you were, if you were starting a team, if you were drafting guys, you know, I mean, Geno Smith is always going, to me, Geno Smith's always going to be fifth on this list. I am very curious to see Justin Herbert. We hear so much about Justin Herbert. I don't live in L.A. I don't watch a lot of uh, Charger football. So I'm I'm really curious to really look at him Saturday night in Jacksonville to see what all the, all the hype and talk is about. I believe they're listed in order in which they will be playing. That, I don't think it's an alphabetical listing. I think well, no, that, that, the, the first game is the first game of the day, isn't it? Uh, the Seattle? 49ers and, and the Seahawks, that's the first game. Yes. So, Gino. Um, okay. These games, if you look at the point spreads, these aren't considered good games, right? Right. The best game of the weekend is believed to be the Chargers at Jacksonville, the Chargers minus two at Jacksonville. So, that might be a nod to uh, to to who people think the better player is among the two quarterbacks I, I think Herbert's got an extra year on him, so maybe that's all that is. Maybe their defense is considered better. Um, I don't think Jacksonville's considered a particularly good team. They're just in a in a, a pretty easy division, and congratulations to them for winning it and playing at home. That's a big deal. But I do think if you're talking about the future of the position, I think that um, that's probably the correct um uh, Herbert over Lawrence. Um, I think Brock Purdy is really interesting because they are a nine and a half point favorite over Seattle. And, um, and that is really a, an amazing point spread when you consider that this guy was Mr. Irrelevant, the last player taken in a draft. And Geno Smith's been around a long time, hasn't been in the playoffs, but it's been around a long time. So I don't argue with it though. Because I think San Francisco is a significantly better team, and he's doing just enough to keep that ship righted. I'll be very curious to see 
how far they can go and if there are changes at the quarterback position as the playoffs go on. I think you can win a game like this. I don't know. I don't know how many games they're going to be able to win with a a, um, a quarterback that is a game manager Fair that is question. being asked to do very little. It, it's going to be fascinating. And I think the fact that they're playing a, another quarterback without a lot of playoff experience probably helps them. Geno Smith was as good for the Seahawks this year as Russell Wilson ever was statistically. Yeah. Now, the playoffs change a lot of things. But if they beat the 49ers and upset them in San Francisco, it will be because Geno Smith is so much better than Brock Purdy. And, and I think Daniel Jones is very interesting because – he lets them play a style that is is the sort of complementary football that we've talked about, right? They, they got the running game. He can run. He's not going to make a ton of big passing game plays, but it's going to be, you know, I'm fascinated to see Minnesota favored by three with Kirk Cousins and his playoff record. You know, it's 3.30 in the afternoon, and I know – Cousins is so good at noon on a. I, I mean, I think they should win at home, and they're favored by three. But eh, you know, they're not a great team. They're not a great team, and Daniel Jones does just enough to keep that offense moving. And I think he benefits from having a terrific coach and Brian Dable, who has gotten the most out of this quarterback in a year that he needed to show it. But but I think that you know Brock Purdy's probably the guy up against it the most. Uh, but maybe with a really good coaching plan and all that. The best support. And the best support. Um, I wonder if Tua can't go, if Teddy Bridgewater can't go. It's going to be Skylar Thompson. Skylar Thompson, not, your it's winner. It's not going to be Tua. And yeah. Skylar Thompson could be the guy. And what about Huntley in Baltimore? Same problem. He might not even be able to go. So, I mean, it's, it, it is – there are issues here with some of these games, and that's why the point spread's so wild. 312-644-6767. We got Casey Johnson joining us next. What was with the last shot? We're going to ask him. It's Mully and Hall on the score. And now, Casey Johnson. Kobe White, ball of three over Karis LeVert and nails it. Bulls insider for NBC Sports Chicago. Give me Covering everything from the dynasty to DeMar, K.C. Johnson. I've covered the NBA for a long time. With Mully and Haw. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. Always fun to talk to our friend K.C. Johnson, our favorite emergency broadcaster, I might add, and he <laughs> joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Hey, K.C., how are you? What's up, guys? There was a there was a game on New Year's Eve, which was the one year anniversary, and Adam Amin had uh, another football game, but not, not a testing issue this time. And Shanowski was in, and I, in my on air hit, I said, "Mark, thank God you're here today because I don't want to go do that again." <laughs> that was a ton so, of fun. You did great. Was, you did a great job. Yeah, I would have liked that. Um, KC, man, what in the heck was that <laughs> last night? That last possession, and it was so funny because everyone. That announced the game was like, hey, oh, hey, he took a two. Like it was, I said to David, the greatest thing that happened is it didn't go in. If they had scored that bucket, oh my God, would that leave a mark? 
Yeah, that was that was a crazy one. I know Zach did give a plausible explanation, which we'll get into in a little bit. But what I wanted to share first was the number of texts I received as I was walking from my seat to the meeting room. What in the absolute hell was probably the tamest? There was uh, several other profanities used. I mean, it was just a head-scratching play. Until you heard Zach explain it, it does make some sense. Uh, and I do think that the last two-minute report is going to justify what Zach said, which I'm sure if you're both saying and listening to this, you already know. Uh, he thought he was fouled by DeLon Wright uh, on his you know, attempt to start to gather on a pull-up three. Uh, once he felt he was fouled, he took a step back, uh, another jump stop, and one more dribble to try to pull into a hopefully an and one. Um, and you can see DeLon Wright motioning to the lead official, Rodney Mott, that the, 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 the intentional foul he was trying to take was on the floor. He's pointing to the floor uh, to make it because the Wizards had a foul to give. And then Zach points back to the official. No whistle came. So I do believe we're going to see another last-minute oh. last report that is uh, painful for the Bulls. But nevertheless, um, it's, it was a it was an odd play, to be sure. Well, KC, that may justify what he did and why he did it. But I wonder, from your perspective, the basketball play, especially after he had just hit a three, that was a tough one in a clutch moment. Why did he think that was a better basketball play then either taking the three or dishing to the open guy, either Vooch or Caruso, for their open three. Yeah, well, several things there. Um, and, you know, I, it's a fair debate. I'm not defending Zach. I'm just going to explain it from his perspective. And, and I would probably kind of lean towards Zach on this one. Uh, although Vooch was definitely open, um, Caruso had a very poor shooting night. So that's probably top of mind as well. Okay, Vooch, the, the pass back. Might have been a difficult one over two players, and there was a little bit of a potential for one Wizards defender to shoot the gap and intercept that pass. All this is obviously happening in a, in a split-second decision-making process. Um, as far as why he didn't just jack the three, especially after obviously that miraculous one he hit to beat the shot clock to tie the game in the final minute, um, he does have one sliver of daylight after the first bounce. He said he was going to start to gather there, and that's when he saw the DeLon Wright was trying to intentionally follow him. And again, I'm fairly certain that the last two-minute report is going to confirm that that was a foul that should have been called. And so when he felt, you know, saw that momentum leading towards that play where he thought he was going to be fouled, that's when he made the decision to take one more dribble and move in and try to get the foul in and the end one. Um, it's, it's all bang-bang stuff. Um, but yes, in real time, you're going, what in the world did he not know that they were down? Three, he obviously knew they were down three. Uh, it's just another head-scratching play in a, in a really a head-scratching season at this point, for sure. Yeah, I, I you know, and I think the point is that with that third quarter, they weren't going to win a game. It's just that being outscored, whatever it was, 41-21, was just a joke. They, they didn't come out with any energy. They didn't get anything done. The defense was atrocious, um, couldn't rebound. I, I don't know what happened – at, at halftime, but uh, they just got worse somehow. Well, I'm really glad you brought that up, Molly, because both Zach Levine and Billy Donovan, you know, the focus of the last play, both of them, to their credit, steered it back to that third quarter saying, hey, we put ourselves in a position to be at the mercy of calls and weird plays because of that third quarter. So they did not 
absolve themselves of that future third quarter. To me, the worst play, I mean, there are a lot to choose from, but they had three straight turnovers down the stretch of that third quarter and then started to kind of stabilize things. Zach makes the free throw with, with six seconds left or four seconds left, and they allow a home run pass from Anthony Gill to DeLon Wright for a layup at the third quarter buzzer off of a made free throw. I don't think I've seen that. If I've seen it, it's been a long time. And uh, that was a really disturbing play. And that's the attention to detail that we keep hearing that they need to clean up. And we keep hearing that they're going to clean it up. And then it keeps happening. So it's extremely frustrating. You nailed it with the 41-21. That was deficit. You're not going to win many road games with a with a minus 20 in the third quarter. You're just not. The frustration keeps mounting for Billy Donovan. It boiled over last night. I felt like he was as animated after a game as we have heard him. He usually does a very good job of keeping composure, but I understood that. Every Bulls fan understood that. KC, is this a coach losing his grip on this team? Have they begun to tune him out? I, I don't know what other explanation there is, but this team is not very good against bad teams, and that's a sign of – a team that's very inconsistent with its focus. No, that's a good point. Um, I probably wouldn't go as far as, you know, losing focus. I mean, it's a very veteran-laden team. I mean, your stars are guys who've been in the league for a long time and and take a lot of pride in in competing. I think it's just um, the the inconsistency and the lack of focus is incredibly troubling, but I I would put that, you know, more on uh, the collective than, than really anything. I mean, it's all people that want to win, all people that mean well. More troubling about that third quarter, that, and kind of to your point, David, Donovan told us that players stood up at halftime and took ownership and said, hey, we've got a 13-point lead, but we've proven that when we don't focus on detail, um, you know, that our margin of error is very small and things can get crazy. He said players spoke up at halftime and said that. So they were – of, so that was top of mind as they went out and took the third quarter mm. and then just failed to execute. So that, to me, is more of a player thing um, than a player tuning out a coach thing because the players were aware of it. They took ownership of it, and then they still went out and failed. I mean, Billy's not out there making, you know, playing the game. So it, it's a mess. It, you, you thought these kind of losses um, with that Aiden, you know, uh, three stretch uh, was behind them, but, you know, uh, a, a, a acceptable loss Monday night in Boston because they played well in one possession game in the final minute. Uh, not really, to me, an acceptable loss last night in, in D.C. You know, the other thing that really was annoying is, is uh, Zach hits that three-pointer to tie the game, and then uh, Kyle Kuzma hits a three-pointer. It seemed like, I don't know, who else was going to take that shot? Uh, I mean, and he was wide yeah. open. Nah, no, nah, I would disagree on that. That's what I was going to kind of cut you off. I, I thought actually that was pretty good defense. They got the switch. Uh, uh, Caruso was on them initially. They got the switch they wanted. Booch drove him out to the wing, and Caruso got back to recover and contest. I mean, you know, that's, that's their best player or, you know, the best player that was active, you know, making a tough shot. He's also a little bit on the move. I mean, it, it was a big-time shot. Um I, have, I thought there were much worse defensive breakdowns than that one. That was to me was was pretty well contested. Casey, quickly before we let you go, what is the status in in your uh, best guess in terms of Demar Derozan? How serious is this uh, injury? Is he going to play on Friday night? 
Yeah, I don't speculate on availability because, you know, I don't, I'm not in the person's body. I'll just, the broader point is very clear from the jump that this is not considered serious or from, from anybody, DeMar, team officials, Billy, you know, it's just, there's no vibe to it that this is a serious thing. Whether he needs another game off, two games off, I can't answer that. You know, they have some high-profile games coming up with Golden State. Uh, here on Sunday, and uh, then they're headed to Paris after that game uh, for a game next week. They they do only have one game next week with that odd trip to Paris. So, I don't, you know, it's going to be a one game, two game, you know, to me, max three game thing. He's he's fine. Uh, he's just being being smart and cautious right now. They they should have brought him in in flip flops and his sweats <laughs> to take that last shot. It was coming. I knew it was coming. Man. <laughs> that was awesome. I love that detail. Very fun. <laughs> Thanks, KC. Great catching up with you, bud. Safe travels. Thanks Thanks for having me, guys. Take care. That is KC Johnson just uh, flying home. Something else. Just another one of those Bulls losses that are very difficult to explain. But he explained it pretty well. Uh, The the split-second decision, everything coming together at that one moment, I I guess it's a plausible justification for why he take the three, but he wasn't going to take the three. And that, to me, is wouldn't that be the first thing that you would be thinking yeah. in the circumstances? And I don't want to see this last-minute report again. Yeah, I, 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 that, those kind of make me physically ill. Uh, Brad Biggs will join us next. Biggs time. I'm Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.